now streaming man with twisted link from adventures of sherlock holmes only on quadier you started podcast stream mrs sinclair was convinced that something was amiss with him she rushed down the steps for the house was none other than opium den in which you found me tonight watson and running through the front room she attempted to ascend the stairs which led to the first floor at the foot of the stairs she however she met this last car scoundrel of whom i have spoken who thrust her back and aided by a dane who acts as assistant there pushed her out into the street filled with most maddening doubts and fears she rushed down the lane by rare good fortune met in Franco street a number of constables with an inspector all the way on their beat the inspector and two men accompanied her back and in spite of continued resistance of the proprietor they made their way to the room in which mr sinclair had been last seen it seems there was a bit of confusion both he and lascar strongly saw that no on their denial and that the inspector was staggered that had almost come to believe that mrs sinclair had been deluded when with the cry she sprang at a small deal box which lay upon the table and tore the lid from it out there fell was a casket of children's bricks it was a toy which he had promised to bring home the discovery and the evident confusion which the cripple showed made the inspector realize that the matter was serious the room were carefully examined and results all pointed to an abdominal crime the front room was plainly furnished as a single room led into a bedroom which looked out upon the back of one of the wells between the wall and the bedroom window is a narrow strip which is dry at low tide but is covered at high tide with at least 4 and 1/2 feet of water the bedroom window was a broad one and open from below on examination traces of blood were to be seen upon the window sill and several scattered drops were visible upon the window floor of the bedroom thrust away behind a curtain in the front room were all the clothes of mr wilson's with the exception of his his socks his hat and his watch all were there there were no sign of violence upon any of these garments and there were no other traces of mr neville sentier out of the window he must apparently have gone for no other exit could be discovered and the ominous blood stain upon the sill gave little promise that he could save himself by swimming for the tide was at its very highest moment of the tragedy and now as the villains who seemed to be immediately implicated in the matter laskar was known to be a man of wildest antecedents but as by mrs sinclair's story he was known to have been at the door foot of the stair within a few seconds of her husband's appearance at the window he could hardly have been more than an accessory to the crime his defense was one of absolute ignorance and he protested that he had no knowledge as to do the doings of Hugh Bowen his lodger and that he could not account in 
any way for the presence of the missing gentleman's clothes. So much for the Lascar manager, now for the sinister cripple who lives upon the second floor of the opium den and who was certainly the last human being whose eyes rested upon Neville St. Clair. His name is Hugh Poole and hideous face is one which is familiar to every man who goes much to the city. He is a professional beggar. Though in order to avoid the police regulation, he pretends to a small trade in wax vestas some little distance down Threadneedle Street. Upon the left side, there is, as you may have remarked, a small angle in the wall. Here it is that this creature takes his daily seat, cross-legged, with his tiny stock of matches on his lap. As he is a piteous spectacle, a small grain of charity descended into the greasy leather cap which lies upon the window side. I have watched this fellow more than once before, I thought, making his professional acquaintance, and I have been surprised at the harvest which he has reaped in the short time. His appearance, you see, is so remarkable that no one can pass him without observing him. A shock of orange hair, a pale face, disfigured by an aureole scar which by its contraction had turned up the outer edge of his upper lip, a bulldog chin and a pair of very penetrating dark eyes which present a singular contrast to the color of his hair, all marked him down out from amid the common crowd of Americans, and so too does his wit, for he is ever ready with a reply to any piece of chat which may have been thrown at him by passers-by. This man, whom we know, learned to have, learned to have been a lodger at Opium Den, and to have been the last man to see gentlemen whom we are in quest. What a cripple, said I. What could have been done single-handed against a man in the prime of life? He is a cripple in the sense that he walks with a limp. But in other respect, he appears to be powerful and well-nurtured. Surely your medical experience will tell you what's That weakness in one limb is often compensated for by exceptional strength in the others. I continue your narrative. Mrs. Sinclair had fainted at the sight of the blood upon the window and she was escorted home in a cab by the police, as her presence could be no help to them in their investigations. Inspector Barton, who had charge of the case, made a very careful examination of the premises, but without finding anything which threw any light upon the matter, one mistake had been made in not arresting Boone instantly. As he was allowed some few minutes during which he might have communicated with his friend the Lascar. But this fault was soon remedied, and he was seized and searched without anything being found which could incriminate him. There were, it is true, some bloodstains found some bloodstains upon his right shirt sleeve, but he pointed to his right finger which had been cut near the nail and explained that the bleeding came from there, adding that he had been to the window not long before that 
the states which had been observed, they came doubtless from the same source. He denied strenuously having ever seen Mr. Neville St. Clair and swore that the presence of the cloth in his room was as much as mystery to him as to the police. As to Mrs. St. Clair's assertion that she had actually seen her husband at the window, he declared that she must have been either mad or dreaming. He was removed loudly, protesting to the police station, while the inspector remained upon the premises in a hope that having died might afford some fresh clue. And it did, though they hardly found upon the mud bank. What they had feared to find, it was Neville St. Clair's coat, and not Neville St. Clair, which lay uncovered as the tide receded. And what do you think they have found in the pockets? I can't imagine, I said. I cannot imagine. No, I don't think you would guess. Every pocket stuffed with pennies and half pennies. 421 pennies and 270 half pennies. It was no wonder that it had not been swept away by the tide. But a human body is different matter. There is a pious eddy between the wharf and the house. It seems likely enough that the weight code had remained with the stripped body had been stuck away into the river. But I understand that all other clothes were found in the room. Would the body be dressed in a coat alone? No, sir. But the facts might be met speciously enough. Suppose that this man Bone had thirst Neville sent clear through the window. There is no human eye which could have seen the deed. What would he do then? It would, of course, instantly strike him that he must get rid of the telltale garments. He would seize the coat then and be in the act of throwing it out. When it would occur to him that it would swim and not sink, he has little time, for he has heard the scuffle downstairs when the wife tried to force the way up. Perhaps he has already heard from his last time confidant that the police are hurrying up the street. There is not an instant to be lost. He rushes to some secret hole where he has accumulated the fruits of his beggary and he stuffs all coins upon which he can lay his hands into the pockets to make sure of the coat's sinking. He throws it out and would have done the same with other garments had not he heard the rush of steps below and only just had time to close the window when the police appeared. It certainly sounds feasible, I said. Well, we will take it as working hypothesis for want of a better. Boone, as I have told you, was arrested and taken to station, but it could not be shown that there had ever been before been anything against him. He had for years been known as professional beggar, but his life appeared to have been a quite innocent one. There the matter stands at present which have to be solved. What Neville St. Clair was doing in the opium den? What happened to him there? Where is he now? And what Hubert had to do with his disappearance? Are all as far from a solution as were? I confess that I cannot recall any case within my experience which looked 
at the first glance of a simple and yet which presented such difficulties. This was episode third of Man with Twisted Lip from Adventures of Sherlock Holmes by Arthur Conan Doyle. Next episode will drop coming Sunday. Till then, stay tuned and subscribe to Great Audio's Guardian Podcast. Make sure you listen on Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher.